Psalm chapter 38. If I'd have thought about it, I would try to find me a vest like Pastor Josh and wore it tonight, but I'm just kidding. You'd have to know. We, we give each other a hard time. We enjoy doing it. The best part is when I can take a picture of him up here preaching and send it to Kenny Baldwin, which is his buddy, and then uh, he'll really give him a hard time. But no. Psalm chapter 38 tonight. Have you ever been in a place in life where you had to ask for help? Have you? Have you ever been in a place in life where you should have asked for help, but you didn't? I was going to say I was going to ask you to raise your hand, but I didn't have to. Some of you just smiled real big and nod your head. You understand that uh, relationship and physically, talking about asking for help, in relationships and even physical conditions in our life when we need to ask for help, that can be a tough place to be. Um, my wife, by the way, thanks for praying for her. Everything went well on her knee. Um, they did not have to redo the surgery. The, they didn't have to redo it. Um, they just went in with a scope, cleaned it up, but they told her that she had arthritis really bad behind her kneecaps. So we got to figure out what to do there, exercise and stuff. And so, um, but she's home tonight. She was up here cleaning earlier, but she's home tonight. Uh, but, <laughs> but she, um, um, she doesn't like to ask for help. She does, she does, she's one of those that don't like to ask for help. Um, but she's at a place, when she had the surgery a year ago, she was at a place where she had to. And uh, she didn't like that. She doesn't like asking for help. But um, do you understand that spiritually you can also get to a place where you need to ask for help, but many times we might not ask for help then either? It's not just about our physical, physical needs as much as sometimes it can be about our spiritual life as, our spiritual life as well. Um, There are times when we get to these places that we have to learn that we have to humble ourselves and come to God and ask God for help. Um, I'll give you a personal illustration. I um, when we moved here, um, it was a year ago, March first. I actually I moved here in February, and then my family moved here in March, and uh, we went for almost a solid year looking for a house, and. Man, I, I, I struggled. There for a while, I was just like, oh, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and then it didn't happen. And so I started backing up thinking, okay, what do I need to do? You know what? I need to find property. I need to find a place. And people told me that, hey, man, be, it'll be easier to build instead of try to find something to buy. So I started looking at property. I started looking at plans. I started looking at more plans. I started looking at more plans. I started looking at different pieces of property. One thing would come. Next thing you know, a couple days later, things would fall through. Man, back up, pun again, go look at this piece, go look at this plan, go look at this piece. Man, I got to a place in my life where I'm going to tell you something. I was frustrated. Um, I, was, um, I wasn't mad, but I was just like, I'm the type of person I like to figure things out. And um, God had to bring me to a place in my life where I literally, because I mean, I had exhausted myself in so many areas. I met with so many contractors, so many real estate agents so many people who own property. I had to come to a place in my life where I realized I had to stop. And literally, just like that, silence. And I had to ask God for help. I believed in God. I believe God can meet my needs. I believe God saw our needs. I knew probably the, one, of the, one of the greatest Christians that I've ever known, um, who I believe walks with God greatly. My wife, I believe she was praying fervently 
Um, I, I believe my mom and dad who love me. I believe her mom and dad who, who walk with God. Both of these folks, these four people, I believe they were praying fervently for us. I believe Josh, I believe he brought me here with the idea of knowing he had a I believe he was bearing that burden with us. I believe many people were praying for me, people in this room tonight. But I had to get to a place in my life where I had to stop. And God brought me to a place. Matter of fact, Psalm 38. This is where this is all going to come from tonight. Is I had to get to a place where I had to just stop and ask for help. And in the process, learn that mean that meant, excuse me, I had to wait. Ask for help and wait. Psalm chapter 38 here. Psalm 38 is broken down into different sections, and it's going to help us understand what all David was going through at this time in his life. Psalm chapter 38, I want you to look with me verses verses 1 through 5 to start with. We're going to break this chapter up as a Bible study tonight. And uh, I'm going to help you as God helped me. Psalm chapter 38, verse number 1. Listen to what he says. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thy arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness or calmness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. This first part here, I want you to see this. David is complaining of his own sin, which provoked God against him. David was complaining of his own sin, which provoked God against him. I want you to understand something this evening. Um, No matter what the world says, no matter what other preachers try to tell you, sin is still sin. The definition of sin has never changed. It's never changed. Matter of fact, sin will, uh, you've heard this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin is still sin. And David is complaining of his own sin in these, four, these five verses here tonight, which provoke God against him. Look at verses 6 through 10. We see where David complains of his own bodily sickness. Look at verse number 6. He says, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, and strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it is also gone from me. David begins to complain of his bodily sickness. May I say this to you? Physically, he is drained. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there before when really the truth is is that you know you need to ask for help and you've exhausted yourself and you've come to a place where you're like, man, I'm frustrated. I'm, man, I am, I, I'm, up to, I'm, I'm at wit's end. And man, I'm just going to tell you something. When you sit down and you look around, you're like, I am just tired. David begins to complain of his bodily sickness. Here's a third thing. He complains of the, excuse me, he complains of the unkindness of his friends. Look at verse number 11. He says in verse number 11, My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all the day 
long. He complained of the unkindness of his friends. In other words, he was seeing others' issues and not taking a long look at his own. After these verses, I feel like that we've just read, I feel like you see a breaking point in David's life. You see a breaking point in his life. I want you to look with me in verse number 15. After all this complaining and all this he does, he talks about his, the complaint of his own sin. He complains of the body, he complains of the unkindness of his friends. But in verse number 15, I feel like we see a breaking point. He says in verse number 15, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou will hear, O Lord, my God. David begins to break and realizes that something has to give. And that which has to give is not going to be God. It's got to be David. He realized something has to give, and what has to give isn't going to be God. But David realized it's got to be himself. I want you to follow along the remainder of this chapter with me. He says, For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, Slippeth, they magnify themselves against me, for I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. But my enemies are lively, or they're for real, and they are strong, and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are my adversaries, because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. I want you to look back at verse number 22, the last verse there. And I want you to look at this phrase. He says in verse 22, Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. David, I believe, wanted God's help. But to get to that moment, he had to stop And not just see God for who he was, but to first see David for who he was. Tonight, I want to just take just a few more minutes. I want to share this thought with you. How do we get from a heavy heart to a help me heart? How do you go from a heavy heart to a help me heart? I think we see in these first 15 verses where David was, there was a lot of heaviness on him. He, he was looking at, I mean, can you imagine, I'm not trying to be funny, but can you imagine probably if they had him back in those days, David probably was looking in a mirror many, many mornings being like, you know, I have this problem and I have this problem and these friends, they don't care anymore and they're after me and man, I tell you, I, and Lord, I tell you, I know that I've got something in my life, but I'm not ready to flee from that. I'm not ready to quit that yet. David was just going back and forth. The first several verses, first 15 verses, he was just in turmoil, man. But we get to a place in verse 15 through verse number 22 where he says, Lord, I need you. I need help. So how do you go from a heavy heart to a help me heart? Number one is this. We have to see the one that can change our direction in life. You have to see the one, the one that can change your direction in life. Look what he says. First of all, let me say this to you, that things were not going David's way. 
Things were not going away. Sin, we, we read about it in the first five verses, that sin was taking him down paths that uh, no doubt he probably regretted. And sin, as I said earlier, sin will do that to you. Sin was interfering with David's fellowship with God. I love what he says in verse number 15. Look what he says in verse number 15. He says, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. He said, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. In other words, here it is. Ready? Wait. Wait. When you hope for something, what are you doing? You're hoping that it's going to happen. I use that little phrase. In other words, sometimes that requires waiting. Waiting. David said, for in thee, O Lord, do I hope. David was saying, out of all I've been through, Lord, I will wait for you. Lord, everything that I just shared with you in the past 15 verses or 14 verses, Lord, I'm coming to you. I realize my condition. Matter of fact, he just says in a few verses down, he says in verse number, what is that, 18, for I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Verse before that, for I'm ready to halt and my sorrow is continually before me. But in verse number 15, he says, for in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Do I hope? Do I wait? I was reminded of these verses in Proverbs chapter number 3. As I thought about that phrase, do I hope in thee? Do I wait in thee? Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Verse 4 of chapter 3 of Proverbs. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways, I love this word right here. In all thy ways, what does he say? Acknowledge. I underline that in my Bible, and under that, underneath that, I didn't. I put it's not knowledge; it's acknowledge. Many people have a knowledge of the Lord, but they do not acknowledge the Lord. <laughs> and he said, "There, he said, in all thy ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths." How do you go from a heavy heart to a healthy heart? You first of all see the one that can change your direction in life. I believe when you look at verse number 15 that says, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. I thought David saw, recognized a couple of things. Two things right here I'll give you. And we'll move on to the second point. Number one, he realized he understood the source of his hope. He understood his source of hope. Look what he says. For in thee, O Lord... Do I hope? He mentioned him by name. He said, I understand my source of hope comes from the Lord. It's in the Lord. But he also regained his confidence in God. Look what he says. He says, for in thee, O Lord, do I hope. And then he makes this statement. I love, sometimes I'm not a great English scholar, but I know this. I love to read the Bible and I love to just break it down because it becomes more real. He says, for in thee, O Lord, do I hope. And then look at these next two words. Thou wilt hear. You know what the word wilt there is? It's in present tense. He says, for thou wilt hear. He says, I'm not, I'm not hoping that you're going to hear me someday. I know you're hearing me right now. How do you go from a heavy heart to a help me heart? You understand my hope. And, and listen, if I have to wait, Lord, I'll wait. But my hope's in you. How do you get from a heavy heart to a help me heart? You have to understand, see the one that can change your direction in life. 
Number two, you have to be ready to make the changes that need to be made. I know this is probably, you're, you're, you're going to get this about the time you lay your head down tonight, but I've been studying this. Number one, like I told you, this God gave me this back in November of this past year. And I've been, I read this all the time. This is really, I'm, I'm sharing with you tonight, I'm sharing with you a devotion that God gave me at my desk back in November. I'm just, you're the first person I've shared this with. But he says in this, in this passage, he says, he says uh, in verse number, verse number 17, listen to what he says. He says, for I am ready to halt. I didn't, I, when I read this a while ago to you, I wanted to tell you to circle that word, but I didn't want to get ahead of you. I didn't want you to start looking. At, but I love this word. You don't, you, how often do you hear people say that word, use that word anymore? Halt. Very seldom. But this is, an, a power, this is a powerful word, especially in the context of the scripture. Because of all that David's been through, all the running he's done, all the complaining that he's done, all the turmoil that he's been in, he gets to a place where he says, For thee, O Lord, do I hope that thou wilt hear me, O Lord my God. And then verse 17, he says, For I am ready to halt. The word halt there means, it don't mean just stop. It means an abrupt stop. It's like driving down the road in Atlanta where we lived for four years. You're driving down 75 and all of a sudden it's like, boom. Like, what in the world? What is going on? And then all of a sudden traffic picks up and you look and you're like, what did we stop for? Where have we been in traffic for the last 30 minutes? There's nothing up here. People don't know how to drive. We went to Atlanta a couple weeks ago. And we decided, we decided, Callie wanted to go see her friends play in a tournament that she had played with the last couple of years. So I said, hey, tell you what, we'll go Friday night late. We'll, go, we'll hit Atlanta about 10 or 11 o'clock. We shouldn't have any problems. We actually ended up in Atlanta about 1130 because we, we had a late start. We got in a traffic jam for an hour at 1130 at night in Atlanta. What? Like what? And we're sitting here thinking, there's no signs, there's no signs, we don't see any blue lights ahead of us, the farther we went, and we're like, what in the world is going on? So what we, we use an app called Waze. So we get on Waze, we're looking, all it is is red. No, usually you can find you know, little, little information, little text that say there was a wreck, hey, avoid traffic, da-da-da, there was nothing. We get up there, we get up there, and they're fixing a stop sign, or a mile marker sign on the side of the interstate. I'm like, Really? At midnight, come on. But you know, we're driving down through there, and all of a sudden, boom, we hit our brakes. We weren't expecting it at midnight on, on the middle, on a Friday night, middle, uh, you know, traffic, and boom, we come to an abrupt stop. David said here, he said, in verse number 17, he says, For I am ready to halt. Halt. In other words, an abrupt stop. David realized that his sin was too strong for him to handle on his own. Look in verse number 18 and 19. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. For my enemies are lively, or in other words, for real. And they are strong. And they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. David realized that his sin was too strong for him to handle on his own. I thought it's kind of neat. Then, after he comes to that conclusion, David realizes his closeness that he needed with God. Look at verse number 21. He says, forsake me not, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. He's begging him. God, please. Please, God. Be not far from me. 
I understand. I'm sorry for I'll, I will be sorry for my sin and my iniquity. My sin, God. But please, God, be not far from me. I think David got or came down to this conclusion. I can either be close to sin or I can be close to God. I think he realizes that close to sin, it brings pain. We read that in the first several verses. But if he could choose to understand that if he's close to God, that God can bring peace. Which one's it going to be? Sin brings pain. God brings peace. How about this one? I think he realized that when I'm close to sin, it produces enemies. But if I choose to be close to God, he'll provide a friend. Hey, I think David also realized that if I'm close to if I'm close to sin, that sin produces hurt. But if I choose to be close to God, he'll produce hope. Today, we can go from living with a heavy heart and begin the process of, giving, of getting a help me heart. But first of all, and understand this, just like David did, you've got to first eliminate sin. How do you go from a heavy heart to a help me heart? Number one, see the one that can change your direction in life. Number two, be ready to make the changes that need to be made. Thirdly, change comes when you ask God for help. Change can come when you ask God for help. Remember how we started this whole study? Some people just don't like to ask for help. Some people try to figure it out on their own. Some people, like David, they just walk around in their sin and they complain about it. Man, everything's going wrong. They see the problems in everybody else's life and they don't look in the mirror and they see the problem in their own life. David was struggling. Whether you want to call it a heavy heart or a hard heart, (laughs) he was struggling. But he had to come to a place where I've got to ask for help. David seen his condition. David began to see his condition. He eliminated sin and he elevated the Lord. It became less about David. Look in verse number 22. He said, make haste. In other words, Lord, I'm ready. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Make haste to help me. I don't, I don't begin to even begin to think that I, I know it all. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, I'm not a, I've never been a pastor. Um, I've been in ministry for 19 years. And uh, the Lord's allowed me to see some things. And probably some of the most hurtful and hardest conversations I've ever seen and been a part of in ministry is the potential that I see in people. And I see the great potential they have to do something with their life for the Lord. Make a difference. Influence other people. But they are yet... To ask 
God to help them. It's hard. Some of the hardest conversations I've ever been a part of. I can't get rid of this. I can't turn from this. I'm not ready yet. And, and I, often I've looked at people and said, no, I'm, I'm not asking you to do it for Brother Matt. I'm asking you to do it for yourself and for the Lord. In other words, ask God to just flat out, as David puts right here, Lord, help me. Help me. What do we gain when we ask God for help? What do we gain? Number one, I think we build a closer relationship and greater fellowship with God. I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily the same as we think here on earth, but I can't imagine it being a whole lot different. But think about, for instance, if you're in here, think about maybe you're here and you're not married, but think about maybe you've got parents, um, maybe you've got family that you're super close to. But I'll, I'll use, for example, tonight, I, I'll, think, I'll talk about my family. I think about my relationship with my wife. I think about what, how great of a relationship I have with my wife. From the time that we, from, the, from where we went from dating and how much fellowship we had with each other in relationship to the day that we got married on June the 19th, 2004. Man, just that day, how things changed. But over the last 19 years, how great it's changed. I think about my mom and dad. I talked to them today on the phone. I have a great relationship with my mom and dad. I have great fellowship with them. I talk to them on the phone. And I, I love them. I know I can reach them. I know I can talk to them. I know that, hey, mom, dad, uh, I was talking to my dad about a project I'm doing around my house. Man, he gave me some points. He gave me some tips. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. If I can get up there, I'll help you with it. That relationship I have with him. Now, let's stop for just a minute and think about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Isn't it sad to stop tonight and think out of all that he's done for you? We won't talk about your sin just yet, but out of all he's done for you, how much he absolutely, he is the definition of true love. But yet, we fail to think we can do it all on our own, and yet we fail to ask him for help. I'm telling you something, not to try to be about Matt's story tonight, but just to be on a personal level. I'm telling you something. My whole house situation changed when I realized. Matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you. I leave it in a certain place for a reason. You can go in my office right now and look. Behind my desk where I sit, I've got a little filing cabinet. And on that filing cabinet is a folder that this deep, this thick. And it's got house plan after house plan. It's got quotes, everything. I leave it there for a purpose because that is a, that's, a, that's a place in my life, a landmark in my life where I turn around often and I see that. When I walk in every morning, I see that there. Most people would say, why don't you clean that mess up? That, that folder represents something in my life as a Christian. That was what God used to teach me what true weight and true hope is when it comes to my life as a Christian. That's a landmark in my life. That right there, that was what God used in my life to show me what it truly means to hope and wait on him. When I came back, when I got to a place where I literally, my prayer was, Lord, 
it's in your hands. This house, it's in your hands, God. Whatever it is. And I'll tell you why. This is the, this is the funny part of the story. When I did that, I used to go to realtor.com about four or five times a day, and I used to look. After that moment, I check every day, every, every other day, something like that. I stopped driving around. I stopped. When people would tell me they found a house, I didn't even worry about it. I didn't even, I, I just, I hate to say this, I ignored it. And I truly believe, and once, it was one Saturday night, I got a call. A guy told me, he said, he saw me at the um, corn maze. We took our young adults to the corn maze. And a guy walked up to me, he said, hey, man, I got a house I want you to see. Why don't you try coming out on Monday morning? He knew Sunday was busy for me. Why don't you come out on Monday morning? I want you to see it. So I thought, man, this is great. He gave me a great price. Boom, boom, boom. So I thought to myself, here we go, man. I'm going to go, and I'm going to take my wife. And he told me already, I already I've seen it. I hadn't told her I've seen it yet. She's going to love it. We drive up. She goes, hmm. He goes, man, this is, this is more than I expected. I was like, yeah, but it's in our ballpark, this, that, and the other. We got in, we got him out, and she looked at me. She said, I don't know, man. It's just, just not the one, I don't think. I was like. <laughs> I said, okay. We were in the car. We actually rode together. It's very unusual we do that. And I said, okay. I said, well, I want to take you and show you a house that I've looked at three or four times. You're not going to like it, but I'll show it to you. And I said, it's, it's for sale, too. It's the house we're living in now. And uh, we pulled up, and she goes, wow. She goes, can we go inside? I was like, yeah, we can go inside. I know where they keep the key at. It's hidden. We walk, in the, we walk in the front door of the house. No joke. She ain't seen the bedroom. She hasn't seen the master bedroom. She walks in the house. She goes, let's buy this house. I said, do what? She said, let's buy this house. She said, I love the open floor plan. This is the house I want. I said, all right. I, that house had been on the market for like four months, and there were different reasons why people didn't want to buy it because of trees and all this kind of stuff, no fence around, da-da-da. And I was like, Jeannie, I've, looked, I've walked in this house three or four times. I've yet to tell you about it. And she's like, I like it. She goes, let's buy it. But I had to get to a place where I had to put the plans aside put all the quotes aside, put Matt's way of doing things aside. And I had to get to a place, and God brought me to Psalm 38, where he said, hey, you need to, get to come to an abrupt stop on this housing thing, and you need to wait. You need to believe in me and just leave it in my hands. And that's what I had to do. Man, I went from a very heavy heart to a help me heart. And in a matter of six to eight weeks, it didn't happen overnight, but in a matter of six to eight weeks, God provided exactly what I needed. I want to challenge you tonight. Maybe right now, everything's going great. Maybe, you are, uh, maybe, maybe you're just on cloud nine, man. Things are just, man, you, just, you can't believe how good God's been, man. This is great. This is awesome. Maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you know a friend, though, that is. Encourage them by waiting on the Lord. Encourage them by just waiting on the Lord. Ask them, hey, hey, you know, the Bible teaches us about bearing one another's burdens. Encourage them. Don't, don't try to sound, and I promise you, this was not my intention tonight. My intentions were tonight were not to try to sound super spiritual. I just try to give you a personal application of something that the Lord has, principle from his word and application from my life of what God's been doing in my life. But I promise you, I've met enough that I'd say there's probably someone here tonight You've got a heavy heart. God's trying to, or excuse me, there are things that are going through your life, and man, you're just like, 
man, I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to go. Well, I can tell you where to start. Stop and ask God for help. Don't ask your friends. Don't text the next friend. Don't get on the phone. Don't get on the phone and call them. Get on your knees and wait on God. And start by saying, Lord, help me. I know. You got to put pride aside and you've got to ask for help. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for David's example tonight. Lord, I, even preaching this tonight, Lord, I'm reminded of, in my mind as I'm preaching, I'm reminding about of the months that I struggled myself trying to figure out life on my own. Lord, I believe that you heard my prayer. Lord, I believe that you wanted to do what, Lord, I wanted, but God, I had to come to a place in my life where my confidence and my hope was completely in you in this situation. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us tonight. I don't know what's on the heart of the individuals that are here in front of me this evening, but God, I pray, Lord, that you do. And Lord, I pray, God, that this could be an awesome lesson, Lord, that they could stand and give a testimony one day of how they waited on you and they saw you work through their situation. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help these folks tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that what we've learned tonight from Psalm 38 would help our church family become a stronger church family. Lord, by just stopping and hoping in you and waiting in you will strengthen our faith as we go forth as a church. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.